0: hello
1: everyone welcome everyone to the one tree community feel free to give us a little wave on the computers oh i can't see anyone um so we're going live and, and we're recording but it's only the speaker's view um so you don't have to worry about being seen unless you're asking a question um and if you do want to ask a question but be or private you can hide your camera and come forward give us a wave um, you can raise your hand uh, option at the bottom and we can unmute you and you can come forward to ask a question and also you can also just type your questions along the way in the chat box when Chris is ready to answer them he will towards the end. So I just want to thank everyone for joining us today. And thank you so much, Chris, for joining us and facilitating a session. I met Chris at um, the New Life Foundation in Chiang Rai, in Thailand, where we were hosting um, mindfulness retreats together. He was doing all the meditation and the talks. I was doing a bit of yoga. So I'm really glad that he can join and share his knowledge and wisdom with us today. So over to you, Chris.
0: <laughs> thank you, and It's a pleasure to be here, Ian. Uh, thank you for inviting me in, uh, and a pleasure to see you all here and people who are trickling in. Hi to Facebook again. So, just a little bit about myself before I get started, and then we'll move into the topic of the day: loving kindness. So I've been practicing meditation uh, for about 36 years, uh, primarily in uh, various Buddhist traditions, uh, Mahayana tradition, uh, studied quite intensively in Zen and Tibetan Buddhism, lived in a Zen monastery for a brief stint. (laughs) Uh, I also have recently taken up uh, quite an in-depth study on Theravada Buddhism uh, I've uh, gotten uh, a certification in trauma-sensitive mindfulness, and I'm really intrigued in how uh, trauma can be worked with through the practices of uh, loving and kindness and compassion and mindfulness and so forth. So that's one of my passions. I started teaching in 2009 uh, and really, uh, yeah, teaching worldwide since then. I uh, got hired in uh, North Thailand here in Chiang Rai uh, to front the meditation program at a uh, recovery center called the New Life Foundation, where I met Yen. Uh, they've closed recently due to COVID, unfortunately. So I've moved all of my projects online, which has been fun. And uh, I guess the past five or six years, I've really kind of dedicated a uh, a big portion of my studies, my practice, to these four qualities known as the Brahma Viharas, uh, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And in the past year, I've offered eight-week online retreats, uh, cycling through, starting with loving kindness, then compassion, then joy, then equanimity, like that. And that's how I practice them too, I, I spend a year going through three months on each of those. And I'll get deeper into that as we go. So that's my, me, that's kind of my story. Uh, if you wanna know more about that there, there's a, a lot more on my website, suchsweetthunder.org. And I'll post a link to that and show a, a slide with that information at the end here. Um, okay, so I think I'm gonna start the presentation. I do have a, a slideshow that I'm gonna offer. So you don't have to look at my face so much and look at these beautiful photos that i've taken so loving kindness or as the pali word the sanskrit word is metta now metta is uh, as most of pali and sanskrit it's challenging to translate uh, it is most commonly translated as loving kindness but you might often see it translated as a uh, loving friendliness or simply friendliness Uh, That's a common translation as well. But I like to use the term loving kindness, and um, it just lands well with me. So I'm going to use that phrase, loving kindness, throughout today's talk. Okay. So loving kindness, as I mentioned a few moments ago, is just one fourth of a much larger practice known as the four immeasurables or the Brahma-viharas. In Sanskrit and Pali, it's metta or loving kindness, karuna or compassion, mudita, which means joy, Upeka, which means roughly equanimity. And I, I just like to point out here the phrase Brahma-vihara because that's a Pali word a san- or a term, a Sanskrit term that means literally translates to the home of the gods or the places where the gods dwell. So it should be kind of felt in that way, that this is, these four practices are a direct path to the places where the gods dwell. So they're not really uh, light practices, although one can practice them that way. One can do three minutes practicing of love and kindness or five minutes I'll, I'll speak to that in a little while. But if one really takes these practices to heart and really uh, submerges themselves into these practices, it can take one all the way to one, one, one might consider enlightenment. So the Buddha, fortunately, gave a teaching on loving kindness, which has now come to us as the Metta Sutta. And so I'm just going to read the actual teaching from the text here. This is what should be done. By those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path to peace, let them be able and upright, straightforward, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they be weak or strong, omitting none. The great, the mighty, the medium, the short or the small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another, outward and unbounded, freed from from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, (laughs) one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desire, is freed from repetitive existence. Wow. (laughs) Every time I read that, I I get a little bit moved. Uh, So from a, a similar contemplative tradition, the Sufi tradition, we see a character named the Mullah Nasruddin. And the mullah Nasruddin, he may have been a fictitional character. We're not really sure. He may have actually existed. But he shows up in many, many teaching stories in the Sufi tradition. And so one day, the mullah was uh, asked to hold court in a judicial way. Uh, He was a genius of sorts. And so uh, sometimes he was asked to preside over the, the criminal court. And one day, one hot afternoon, the mullah is there presiding over the court. It seems very quiet. And a man just comes running into the courtroom wearing nothing but his underwear. And the man says, mullah, 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 you have to help me, please. I've been robbed. And The mullah kind of looks around calmly and says, well, did this just happen to you just now? The man says, yes, it just happened. They're getting away. Please, you have to stop them." And the mullah says, Well, did they take everything you own? The man's kind of taken aback by these questions. He says, Yes, they took everything I own. Please, they took all my clothes. And the mullah says, Well, are those your underwear you're wearing? The man says, Well, yes, but they took everything else. You have to stop them. And the mullah says, Well, obviously they're not from this village. We do things thoroughly around here. <laughs> And so I like to tell that story just to bring a little bit of levity into the presentation today, but also to to really point out how thorough the Buddha was in delivering this talk, Does things thoroughly around here. He says, in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be whether they be weak or strong, the great, the mighty, the medium, the short or the small, the seen, the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. And so quite commonly, when one enters a practice of loving kindness, traditionally, and I'll get to this in a moment, traditionally we offer the practice first to ourselves, then to loved ones. That all seems pretty easy, right? Then to people we don't know, that might be a little bit more challenging than to people we don't like. That's generally where people start to feel some resistance, right? But here, the Buddha gives us kind of a hint on how to do that. He says, by not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision. So putting down our dogma, and offering loving kindness to the entire world. So that's just one hint. Now there have been many, many practices that have arisen from this one three-page offering from the Buddhist tradition. And I'm going to try to paint kind of a wide brush here as we proceed uh, kind of covering or touching in with a lot of the, the practices that have been offered. And All of the practices really begin with this phrase, whether it's loving kindness or compassion or joy or equanimity, all of those practices begin with the recognition that all beings want happiness and want to avoid suffering. It's in our nature. We're wired this way. It's in our nervous system. It's in our reptilian brain. Now, Of course, that gets horribly distorted from time to time and we just need to read a history book to to have a glimpse at that. But even then, we can look and we can see that some of the, the tremendous suffering that's been caused around the world has been a misguided move towards happiness, a misguided move towards or away from suffering. So just starting with this recognition and if in a formal practice, one might be lighting a stick of incense or perhaps saying a prayer, maybe doing a bow if they wish, or if you're a secular practitioner, which actually I am mostly, uh, I just kind of you know get prepared, put on some comfortable clothing, kind of take a few deep breaths and then sit down and just go through this phrase a few times, all beings want happiness and want to avoid suffering. Now elsewhere in the Buddhist tradition and the Buddhist texts, they list the 11 benefits of loving kindness practice. And so I'll just kind of move through these rather quickly um, and uh, kind of touch in with each one of them. So you might get a feel for that. So when one brings up a practice or one enters a practice of uh, metta, loving kindness, it's said that one sleeps easily and wakes easily. And this is so because we, we're we not, well, loving kindness asks us to be in an embrace of our experience. And so when we're not wrestling with our experience, when we're not arguing with the present moment, we naturally sleep easily and wake easily. And the third one, you will have pleasant dreams. This is so because in that warm embrace that we cultivate towards the present moment, we're not um, holding on to tension and stress, which we might later experience in nightmares. Right? A nightmare is just the body and mind's opportunity to create a platform for us to release stored tension. So, this is allowing us to, to kind of that becomes unnecessary people will love you. (laughs) I'm going to come back to number four. I have a a story about number four, perhaps. Uh, But it's not like a, well, yeah, we offer this radiant warmth of loving kindness to the world, and people gravitate towards that. Uh, There's actually a scientific proof of this now. It's called uh, limbic resonance. And so as we begin to vibrate to Uh, a frequency of loving kindness, people feel that and they start to vibrate to that frequency as well. Devas will love you and protect you. So here's where I have to kind of, uh, you know, if you don't believe in devas or celestial beings, that's fine. It's really just pointing at that um, because people do find their comfort in our company, uh, we find ourselves less and less. In dangerous situations, external dangers uh, won't harm you. So, so this I have to put a warning around as well. Uh, if you find yourself in a fire or somebody's pointing a gun at you, don't start meditating. It's not the time. <laughs> but again, here because this quality of love and kindness has this magnetic quality to it, uh, we find ourselves less and less. In, uh, well, confronted with external j- dangers, if you will. Your face will be radiant. Well, I don't know. Maybe my cat gave me a good scratch across the nose this morning, but uh, yeah, you can be the judge of that. <laughs> uh, your mind will be serene. I really don't have any way to attest to this. I could just tell you all that uh, I've been practicing these practices for many, many years, and the quality of serenity in my mind is is, uh, quite pronounced as a result of these practices. Uh, You will die unconfused. And so these practices really allow us to approach even the moments of death, even that moment on our deathbed uh, with that mind of loving kindness, where we can be in that warm embrace of whatever's arising. And 11 kind of ties into that, you will be reborn in happier realms. Now, if you don't believe in rebirth and reincarnation, that's fine. Uh, it could also mean that we're reborn into the happier realm 10 seconds from now, or even one second from now. If we're infusing this moment with loving kindness, the next moment will be predicted or or, in, or influenced by that loving kindness thing. If you do believe in rebirth and reincarnation, the traditions would say, because you die unconfused, your rebirth is a happier rebirth. Okay. How are we doing with questions? And any questions that might want to be looked at?
1: Uh, no questions yet. If anyone has any questions, feel free to type them in the box. So Chris will just keep asking me if anything
0: pops up. Thank you, Jan. Okay, so this is the actual practice of loving kindness or metta the way I was taught by my teacher many, many years ago. And as I mentioned, there are many ways of practicing loving kindness. So this isn't, you know, the the be-all and end-all way uh, to practice. So one might come into the silence of meditation by offering that phrase, all beings want to be happy, want to avoid suffering, and so forth. And then just be still for maybe seven or eight minutes, perhaps dropping into the body, coming into the present moment. And then one would offer this phrase to the heart, may I be happy. And the way I practice and the way I teach it is that one sits with that phrase for a good amount of time, maybe 30 seconds to a minute. Some teachers like to just move through the phrases. And that's, that's kind of a different practice. That's more of a, a mindfulness based practice that's laced with loving kindness. That's beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. But the way I offer these teachings is that to use them for insight. And so when you drop the phrase into the heart, may I be happy? And you really visualize what your life would look and feel like. If you were 100% happy all of the time, what would that feel like? What would that look like? So you're invited to visualize or imagine. And inevitably resistance starts to come up, most likely for most practitioners. And that resistance could look something like, oh, that'll never happen to me, or it's impossible for people to be 100% happy all the time, or that's ridiculous, or you know, That's all good. That's all resistance. And when we're working these practices for insight, the idea is to to get to know how we resist our experience of loving kindness. Because when when we become intimate with our resistances, we start to recognize how they appear time and time again when we're not meditating, when we're off the cushion, so to speak in our day-to-day experience. And when we start to feel that, oh, there's that tension there. There's that thought, oh, that'll never happen, or I can't be happy like that. We notice that we can say, oh, there's, there's loving kindness here. Let me put that resistance aside and feel into what's here in the present moment. So with the practice of insight, again, we start to recognize how we resist our day-to-day experience of loving kindness. We can put those resistances aside and gradually over time, it could take days, weeks, months, or years. Over time, we start to experience the the abundance of loving kindness that's here in our world. So that's the idea. And I'll just continue by talking through the phrases. We won't, we'll do a practice later in the talk, but I won't do a practice just yet. So may I be happy, may I be healthy, I've been putting in here, may I be healthy and safe. Uh, And I find that has a really profound effect as well. May I live a life of peace without struggle.
2: May I open to things just as they are. May I experience the world opening to me just as I am. May I welcome whatever arises.
0: And so here just kind of moving through the phrases rather swiftly as one might do when they're just practicing these practices with the practice of mindfulness, using the phrases as a point of present moment awareness like that. Beautiful practice as well. And as we went through the phrases there, uh, you may have noticed a resistance. Beautiful, beautiful. And I like to mention that because oftentimes people, when when they feel a resistance in the practice, they feel like they're not doing it right. But it's actually, it is the resistance. That's the wisdom that we're looking for. Like that. It is great also if, if you can offer the phrase to your heart, may I be happy or any of the other phrases, and you just feel this boundless loving kindness all of a sudden, that's great too. Of course, you know, that's beautiful. And then I would just recommend that you just rest in that and enjoy that until the next phrase. And eventually, and these phrases are written in such a way that they're designed to bring a resistance up. They're they're so detailed in that way. They're designed uh, for me. And I think for many practitioners, may I experience the world opening to me just as I am. I think that that brings up resistance for many, many people, you know, particularly if we have a harsh inner critic, things like that, that can really, Uh, this phrase can really bring up the inner critic. And that's great because then we can work with that. We bring the unconscious inner critic into our awareness, into consciousness. Here are some other phrases uh, that I see from time to time. uh, And I, I sometimes use these in my own practice. May I live a life of peace. May I live without struggle. May our life be filled with love. I like that one. May we live without effort. And so traditionally, a practitioner, one might spend two to three weeks on each of these stages here. First, offering loving kindness to ourself. Uh, First, and then offering it to a benefactor. Some teachers use a benefactor, some teachers don't. Uh, It's really up to you. I find the benefactor stage really helpful if we have trouble connecting with loving kindness for ourselves that can be quite common. We have a lot of resistance towards that. Uh, and so one might find it easier to offer loving kindness to a benefactor first and then coming back to the self. Like that. Uh, loving kindness to a loved one, a stranger, a challenging person we don't like very much, and then to the entire world. And again, I mentioned two to three weeks on each stage. Um, that's the way it's traditionally done. And one can spend then a year going around the Brahma Viharas, uh, three months on each like that. So I wanna talk about the enemies of loving kindness. And so these are considered enemy qualities or any enemy, enemy feelings They're The qualities, the human, very human, qualities that we all have that tend to block our experience of loving kindness and the first one is considered to be a near enemy of loving kindness and this is desire and this is considered to be a near enemy because when we're in a desired based relationship that can often feel like loving kindness right you know I am in a relationship with my partner and I love her and she loves me and That will all stay that way as long as we continue to reciprocate that feeling so it's it's dependent on that right it's contingent on that reciprocation being there but real loving kindness we want the other people to be happy regardless of their relationship to us And that's why we go through those stages, loved ones, neutral people, perceived enemies, and so forth. Now, I'm not saying that a desire-based relationship is any better or worse than practices of loving-kindness. It's just different, but they can easily get confused. And for this reason, when I teach loving-kindness on retreats or when I teach it one-to-one to to people, I often really um, encourage them not to use... Uh, people that they have this desire-based relationship with. If you find that desire is one of those hindrances that come up in meditation often, uh, the practices of generosity and gratitude are great, great practices to balance that out. And that comes right from the, the Buddhist tradition, the teachings on hindrances. Uh, when, and this is so because when we're practicing generosity, when we're practicing gratitude, we're taking stock in the things that we already have, which counters desire because desire arises as a feeling of lacking something, right? Whether it's, I don't know, money or a car or a relationship or a candy bar. Those desires arise because we feel we're lacking something and we want something to fill that. When we're practicing a good, consistent practice of generosity and gratitude, we know we don't fall into that experience of lacking. So those can be profound practices in and of themselves. The far enemy of loving kindness, aversion, aversion, this arises as anger, fear, grief, disappointment, and guilt. There are many, many other ways that aversion arises, but these are the common, uh, common enemies to loving kindness. And we can balance all of that out by practices of forgiveness. And so I just want to speak a little bit about forgiveness because there's a kind of, a I don't know, kind of a, a dark hue around this word forgiveness sometimes. So forgiveness doesn't mean that we uh, condone bad behavior or say it's okay to people who have transgressed against us. It's not the idea there. Forgiveness allows us to pull the stone of resentment out of our heart. And when we I think of it as a splinter in the heart. When we pull that splinter of resentment out of the heart and put it on the ground, we can then much more easily and readily move forward into, the, into our life, into the present moment. When, we, when we're carrying that resentment with us, there's always that hue of all, it always shades our experience of life. So forgiveness it, it's not about the other person really at all. It's really about our own heart. The other person, the other people that I worked with um, with forgiveness practices. Uh, they've all passed away a long time ago. <laughs> They'll never know if I've forgiven them or not. And it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Right. So I think that's important to recognize. So, so pulling that splinter out of the heart, if there is that, if you don't have that, that's great. And just keep going to the loving kindness practice. But if there is some resentment or anger or fear uh, that you're harboring there, doing a week or two of forgiveness practice can be really beneficial. Okay, so back to loving kindness. Oops, how do we, uh-oh, there we go. (laughs) Okay, I would like to offer just a brief guided meditation here. That's okay. And we might do this for maybe, I don't know, eight to ten minutes or so. Uh, And so here are some of the phrases that I'll be using. Uh, So if you wish, uh, you can read them off the screen. Uh, Some people like to just close their eyes and allow me to guide. And that's fine. You can do that. Uh, The idea then is to bring, as I mentioned, bring the phrase into the heart. Really feel the implication of the phrase. If there's a resistance that comes up, just notice the resistance. You can hold, I like to think of a resistance as a closed fist, and you can hold the fist of resistance in the open hand of compassion. Just welcome it in. Say, oh, great that you're here right now. Thank you for keeping me safe. And just hold that resistance there. And then keep offering the phrases. Resistance could stay, or it could change, or fluctuate. The idea is that we just get to know it. That's all. Okay. So I'll ring the bell, I have a little bell here, and I know on Zoom sometimes the bells can sound funny, so I apologize in advance, Uh, but I'll ring the bell and I'll guide us into this, this brief loving kindness practice. Enjoy. And so the invitation here is really just to arrive into this present moment. And there are many, many ways of arriving into the here and now. You might just listen to the present moment. Noticing any sounds which might be available. Sounds are always direct guideposts back to the here and now. and can be a great support for meditation practice. So perhaps allowing one sound or the entire soundscape to remind you of the here and now. And we could continue arriving into the present moment by simply noticing the contact of the feet against the ground or the floor. You might also notice the weight of the body against the cushion or chair or mat. And perhaps extending a thought or two of appreciation and gratitude for the the support, the comfort that's being offered by the ground, by the chair, the mat. Recognizing that the the floor or the chair are really substitutes for planet Earth. And so extending that gratitude to this beautiful, beautiful life-giving planet. Mother Gaia and planting our place in this ground, this beautiful planet. We could continue arriving by perhaps noticing sensations of clothing against the back, the shoulders. Sensations arising from the hands. You might notice how the breath moves in and out, the nose and the back of the throat. And while we're here noticing the breath, you might notice the rising and falling of the abdomen. The abdomen is one of those areas that is often used to contain tension or stress. And if you notice any stress or tension there, you might invite that to relax and grow soft. And so just feeling into the breath as the breath moves through the body, feeling the body in this Posture, whether you're seated or lying down or standing up, and listening to the sounds. And so in the next breath or two, we'll begin to move into the phrases of loving kindness, offering those phrases to our own hearts. With each phrase visualizing or imagining our life unfolding just as the way the phrase implicates. May I be happy. May I be healthy and safe.
2: May I live a life of peace without struggle. May I open to things just as they are. May I experience the world opening to me just as I am. May I welcome whatever arises. Resting, breathing,
0: holding any feelings of loving-kindness which might have arisen, holding to any resistances which may have arisen during the practice. Just moving through this phrase that All beings want happiness and want to avoid suffering, just like us. And so in the next moment or two, I'll ring the bell and I'll bring us back into a conversational space. So thank you all for indulging me in that practice, joining me in that practice. Um, I'm consistently surprised and really amazed at, at uh, the energy that can be cultivated over the Zoom screen. Um, so I hope you were able to tap into that as well. So I mentioned Meta for the benefactor, and I'll just kind of go through the stages. I'm sorry I should let people land first before I launch in. Are there any comments or questions uh, about the practice that we just experienced so far?
1: I think everyone's a bit shy. <laughs> All right.
0: All good. All good. Yeah. Okay. So then if it's all right, I will go ahead and, and see. We did have
1: uh, one question from Shanaka asking if it would be possible to have your amazing slides. So I don't know if you want to. Oh, yeah.
0: Those at some point. Thank you. They're all my own photos, actually. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm complimented by, by that. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to do that.
1: So maybe, yeah. maybe if you're happy to share, we can do it on the group later. I Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Thanks for that. Chris, may I ask one question? Sure. Yeah, um, Chris just, uh, hi, up. thanks very much for agreeing to share the slides. Um, I'm just wondering about the whole may I be happy and may I do well" uh, invitation on this. How does that not
0: create some kind of desire for something? I'm having a really is- hard time hearing the question, I'm sorry. There's a lot of sound feedback and things like that. Um, Yeah, something's echoing. Is this better? I think that is better. Yeah, we can try again, yeah.
3: Yeah, Um, I was just asking, Chris, whether uh, the whole aspect of saying, may I be happy, may I be well, does that create some sort of a desire or craving for those states? And is that something that we can do while also wanting to accept ourselves for who we are and where we are, which might be kind of a suboptimal state of happiness and well-being. Mm.
0: Yeah. Great question, uh, Shanaka Sh- Shanika? I hope I'm saying Shanika. Yeah. Shanika, yes, Shanika. Well, uh, okay. Thank you, Shanika, for that question. Um, yeah, it's, you know, true that Chris, we Chris might... could
1: you just repeat that question one more time because it was still coming out very loud, so I didn't quite catch it. <laughs>
0: shall i paraphrase it back perhaps or? yes please i think that would be okay so the way help. i understood the question and i might have gotten it wrong but the way i understood it was that in doing these practices we might start to desire this quality of desire for the quality uh, this quality of desire may arise for the love and kindness that we're cultivating right and that's understandably that that might happen particularly if we're kind of if we feel like we're not happy and so how do we work with this when we I think the the word used was a subpar, uh state of happiness um, so yeah so great question and it, it is actually the reason why we come to a practice of of and, well, any meditation practice or any contemplative practice, uh, there is this quality of desire that brings us to the practice. Right? We desire our life to be better. We desire something to be different, a way out of suffering, perhaps. Right? Uh, and that the Buddha actually recognized that as being a healthy desire is one of the, the the powers of spiritual practice. Uh, and so to to acknowledge that and to to use that as an energy. As a way of cultivating energy for the practice. So that type of desire is a little bit different, what the Buddha would have have called an unworldly desire. But if we're cultivating a type of, you know, perhaps a warmth or an openness, you know, the 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 mantra phrases here, the ones that I like to use, may I open to things just as they are, it's this real uh, call to embrace the experience of life. Right, may I welcome things just as they are, right? Things like that. Uh, and so that can feel quite good in the practice, right? And, but then we may, maybe we move about our day and we find that we're just as reactive as before. And so we might start to kind of desire that, that, um, that feeling. Uh, so just to recognize that that desire is what brings us to the practice and to let it go if we feel like good feelings coming up in the practice, to be able to say, oh, that's just what the practice brought today. It might be here tomorrow, or it might not. So really to come to each practice with kind of a beginner's mind and and to to allow what reveals itself in the practice to be known, but not to try to, to push for anything. Well, if you notice you're pushing for a particular quality in this practice or in any practice, it really means that you've kind of created a model for, in this case, loving kindness, and then you're trying to move towards that model. So if you can really be in the present moment of the practice and just do the practice, show up, accept the results, actually what tends to happen then is the loving kindness brings you to an even better place, to an even more open and accepting place than than what we can imagine. So the idea is to to, to let that, that type of desire go, any kind of model that we're creating that we think we might want to achieve in a practice to allow that to, to go. Uh, and also that desire can be balanced again by the experience by rather uh, the practices of gratitude and generosity, putting a, a sense of gratitude into anything about your life. It could be something very small like the uh, there was a time in my life, I can get a little personal here, uh, when I was actually really quite destitute. <laughs> I had very little. Uh, I was really, um, uh, as some might say, close to the bone, uh, living life very close to the bone. Uh, and I started to practice gratitude. It was quite profound. Uh, I was finding gratitude in the blueness of the sky, gratitude in the greenness of the trees, or the purple of the flower, or just the simplicity of the breath. So so it can be that basic, but it's just the feeling of gratitude. And when we can cultivate that feeling of gratitude by a a really consistent practice of generosity, of perhaps keeping a gratitude list, uh, other forms of of gratitude practice, which I could get into perhaps in in a separate session, um, it really helps to counter that asking something from the practice, desiring something from the practice. The practice is going, going to bring us uh, whatever we're ready for. But if we start, if we start desiring something from that practice, it, there starts to be kind of an imbalance that arises there. Did I, that answer your question, Shanaka? I can't hear either of you.
1: I've just tried to unmute Shanika. I was surprised that he was able to unmute himself.
0: (laughs) Oh, right. Uh,
1: He says in the comments, yes, very much. Um, He has more, but he'll keep them for the moment.
0: (laughs) Okay. well, feel free to send them over. uh, Perhaps after the session, if you wish, you can uh, email me um, any questions, if, if you wish. So. Just to to move forward here, unless there are, are there any other questions or comments? I'd happily take questions.
1: Uh, Not at the moment. Okay. If anyone has any questions, please type them in the box or um, wave and I can unmute you. Back to you,
0: Chris. Okay. So meta for the benefactor, uh, the second stage of the practice, we, we, we did the guided meditation on loving kindness for ourselves. So, one would do something like that for two to three weeks, then perhaps moving into a meta loving kindness for somebody who has given quite freely in our life, a benefactor, someone for whom we feel a great sense of gratitude towards. Then, meta for loved ones, and again, being aware of desire, as I mentioned earlier. So we'd spend two to three weeks on loving kindness for loved ones. Could use a family member, could use a pet. Uh, I use my brother sometimes for this practice and my cat. Uh, So there you go. Meta for strangers. And so here we're cultivating, and I actually find this stage to be uh, very, very profound. Because you think how many strangers there are in the world. Right, most people we we most people in the world we don't know, right? Most people in the world are quite neutral to us. So when we offer loving kindness to people we don't know, people who have this neutral tone, uh, we have to beware of boredom and indifference. That those are the, the common resistances to this type of practice. You know, why should I be offering loving kindness to people I don't know? Um, hopefully the answer is to make the world a better place. And and it feels good to us too, it feels good. And something quite extraordinary happens when you do a practice like this for a couple of weeks and you go out into a crowd of people and you see a bunch of strangers around, each face in the crowd becomes uh, a trigger for our own loving kindness. So, And that can be really wonderful. That can be a really wonderful experience. So, meta for perceived enemies is the very traditional way of, phr- of phrasing that. I like, I like uh, meta for challenging people. Perceived enemies sounds really, really harsh, right? Really tense. But challenging people, you know, that's, I think, a little bit lighter. You know, one could get challenged by somebody who's making a lot of noise on the bus, for example, or something like that. So, and that, that can be a little more easily accessible to work with. So the idea here is to be aware of aversion, as I mentioned, the far enemy of loving kindness, and just to to recognize that that can come up when we're working with challenging people. It's very common resistance there. And the last one is loving kindness for the world. And kind of similar to loving kindness for neutral people or strangers, as i mentioned the world is you know so many billions of people that we don't know so offering love and kindness to the entire world we could also include all of the animals all of the trees and really mother gaia herself pouring our wishes of love and kindness out to the entire world and as the metta Sutta said right the great the mighty the medium the short or the small the seen and the unseen those living near and far away, those born and to be born. And I I really love this without holding on to fixed views. Because in my own experience, my own practice, and when I taught this to others, it's usually the people who have different opposing political ideologies or opposing belief structures or, you know, something that, that, goes against those views that we hold on to, those fixed views. And so without holding on to fixed views, we can move forward and really, really honor the, the intention of offering love and kindness for the entire world. So as the great Nat King Cole once sung in his hit song um, nature boy. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's my closing for today's offering. This is my contact information, my website, uh, such sweet thunder. It's all kinds of resources there. It's all, almost all for free. I think the only things that are for sale on the on on the. Uh, the website, are my books. I have two books that I've published. They're up for sale on, on the website. Uh, there are meditation podcasts, published articles, uh, and videos—an uh, abundance of all of that. So please do uh, go, go to the website, check it out, and um, yeah, help yourself to anything that you might find supportive and helpful for your own practice. And so, with that, I'd like to just offer the last few minutes. If there are any other comments, questions, share. Errors or concerns, anything that wants to be heard?
2: Let me stop sharing
0: here. I want to see the room I can get a ch- chance to see the room.
1: So, um, I've been asking every facilitator if they wouldn't mind sharing a little tidbit of homework, like a five minute job that we All can great. maybe take home and do each day. And then if people want, they can log in a bit earlier for the next session and we can try and have a conversation. Um, I really want to encourage that connection so it just doesn't feel like we're talking to a camera.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much for reminding me of that, Yen. So yeah, if you wish, uh, go forward and and do the the practice that we did. Uh, You can access it here on the recording. Uh, or I can post a, a guided meditation uh, that I have from my podcasts, if that that might suit you better. Uh, and uh, do the loving kindness for yourself, and just feel how that is. Now I, I know I talked us through uh, all of those stages, and that's really the traditional way to do a full loving kindness practice. One might spend a few months doing it. Uh, I do have a couple of students who are just doing love and kindness for themselves for a year. And, and that in itself is a really rich practice. So it's not that you have to do it in that format. Uh, and when we do work with love and kindness for ourselves in that way in a re- really deep, deep way, uh, you start to, to really, well, you start to recognize that there's actually no difference that we feel towards loved ones in a certain way, but that feeling comes up in us, in our own body, in our own heart, in our own mind. So if we're we're practicing loving kindness for ourselves, it is indirectly loving kindness for loved ones. Same thing with neutral people or strangers. We feel about neutral people and strangers, and it's our feelings. And so if we're practicing loving kindness for ourselves, we're practicing accepting, opening, and embracing those feelings. Same with challenging people in, to the entire world like that. So it really can all be done in that one practice. Many, many people and practitioners like to do it in segments, and I found that to be very productive. But anyway, for the homework, do the, do the practice of love and kindness for yourself. Such a beautiful and complete practice in and of itself. Yeah. Thank you, Yan, for, for reminding me of
1: Thank you very much, Chris. And thank you everyone uh, so much for joining us that one tree. I do hope you'll give the little homework practices a go and tune in a bit earlier next week and we can have a few questions before we start the next session. So it would be really lovely to build more of a community feeling where we um, can see your faces on camera. So don't be shy to, to share your camera with us if you have enough data, um, because it feels much nicer to them to see you when we're speaking and sharing. Um, We are live streaming and recording, but that will just be on Chris or whoever's coming forward to ask a question. So on that note, I would really like to thank Chris for sharing with us, and thank you all for joining us. Tomorrow, we have the lovely Riesel, um, Dr. Riesel Jenny, and she is sharing uh, her knowledge on trauma, awareness, and healing. She is at 1 p.m., I believe, India time so definitely tune in tomorrow. Um, I will share all the links and um, Chris's uh, slides on the group chat and um, a donation link is also available for anyone who feels to support us. And I think that's it, any final comments, Chris?
0: Thank you all for being here. It's really been a pleasure to offer these teachings to you all these very profound teachings and uh, thank you for tuning in and uh we'll see you at the next one
1: all right and on that note we'll sign it. thank you everyone thank you chris thank you thank you